I guess if I could summarize what we've shared the last few weeks, it would be in finding, meeting, and knowing God. Finding where he lives, meeting him there, and learning to know him there. Now, wisdom, part of wisdom, is being able to see the natural and finding the spiritual behind it. Now, I know you can take that to extremes and become pseudo-super-spiritual where we take it to excess. But I think the natural things in the world that God has placed have been placed there to reveal the Father and what a relationship with him is like. And that's nowhere is it more true when it comes to knowing God. If we look at the natural, we can see some principles, some elements in the natural of knowing one another that express how it means to know the Father. Okay? And I want to just go over some some elements this morning in knowing the Father. Drawing from knowing one another. Okay? We'll just take the natural first and then look for the spiritual in there. But I want three people to look up these three verses. Okay? And be ready to read them. I mean, you can all look them up. But I want three of you to be ready to read them. One's in Matthew 7. 21 through 23. <clears throat> Matthew 7, 21 through 23. All right, who'll do that for me? All right. How about John 17, 3? You ought to have that one memorized. I've quoted it so many times. <laughs> Got it? All right. How about uh, Philippians 3, 7 through 11? We'll do that. Okay, thank you. All right, we got those covered. All right, elements in knowing one another that reveal to us how to know the Father. The first element that I want to mention is meeting, to meet. In order to know someone, it is necessary to meet them. All right, that seems so simple. I can only know about someone after I have met them personally. All right? Up until that point, it's just information. For instance, uh, I'm going to pick on you two guys or one of you guys. I have never met you, right? So I don't know you. In order for me to get to know you, I'm going to have to meet you, all right? So my name's Micah. Jacob, Lewis, just to meet you guys. Now, we just met. We had a meeting, all right? That is the introduction to us getting to know one another. That's why they call that meeting an introduction. What's in an introduction to It is an introduction to a relationship. Now that we have met, we have grounds for relationship. Now, the word meet is an interesting word. 
It means to come into the presence of. So I didn't know these guys, and I came into their presence and introduced myself, and now we have the foundation for a relationship. It means to come together with, especially at a particular time. Now, we met at about 11.06 on September the 27th. There was a time that we met. We didn't meet by osmosis. We didn't meet because we were just in close proximity to one another. We met because there was a deliberate time and an introduction was established, an introduction to the potential of a relationship, okay? So the word meet, one of the definitions is to come together with, especially at a particular time, to come into contrast or conjunction with. The thing about a meeting, the thing about an introduction is it is experiential and not informational. I could know, the, I, someone could give me these guys' history, but I still wouldn't know them. I would know about them, but I would not know them. It took meeting them, it took an introduction in order for us to have relationship, and that's an experience. Up until that time, it's just informational. And herein lies one of the problems that we have when you talk to someone about their relationship with the Lord. I don't, I don't, I can't remember the last time I asked anybody, are you a Christian? I don't do that because everybody's a Christian, we think. We really have lost the significance of that. But it's interesting whenever you ask someone, can you tell me when you met God? And their eyes roll back in their head and they go, well, you know, I, I walked an aisle when I was, and they give me that time. Or I remember, you know, at youth camp uh, saying that prayer, I remember that time, and, and what they're recalling are experiences typically other than meeting God. When did you meet God? And that's a difficult proposition because so many people that profess the name of Christian have never met God. They don't have that relationship. They may have an experience of some sort. They may have an emotional influence. They may have an emotional change. They may have turned over a new leaf. They may have changed their belief system. They may have quit doing some of the bad things that they used to do, and now their life consists of trying to do the good things that's expected of them. But when you press them about when did they meet God, that seems to be elusive, and it's very significant. Let me show you. Someone read with me Matthew 7, 21. Interesting, isn't it? I mean, we look at that and we say, let's kind of break it down. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, I thought that's all you had to do. I thought that's all you had to do was just verbally say that Jesus was Lord and I'm good. My ticket's punched, my seat on the train is ready, and I've got a place in heaven. It's a little mansion right next door to Jesus. Look at what else he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now he's getting a little more specific and a little more picky. Now he says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Did we not prophesy in your name? 
Didn't I stand up and preach in your name? Didn't I teach in your name? And didn't in your name I cast out demons? You mean you don't have to be a Christian in order to be able to cast out demons? Let that sink in your theology a little bit. And the answer to that is no, because it's not your Christianity that casts out demons. It's the name of Jesus that casts out demons. Okay? And in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare them, I never knew you. Understand the tense of that. He did not say, there was a time that I knew you, but I don't know you now. He didn't say that. He said, I never knew you. Even while you were prophesying in my name, even while you were casting out demons in my name, even while you were performing miracles in my name, I did not know you. That's significant. Declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's a serious verse, isn't it? All of these things, many of these things that, that we've embraced that determine what we have determined to be Christianity, he says, no, I never knew you. You did all that stuff, and we did not have a relationship. You did all that stuff, and you and I have never met. This is the first time I've met you. I don't know you. That meeting with God is critical because it's the introduction to a relationship. Now look in John 17, 3. Who had that one? Susan. All right, now this is Jesus, all right? We have a lot of interpretations of what it means to be saved, what it means to have eternal life, what it means to be a Christian, but this is Jesus explaining it. He ought to know, okay? This is Jesus explaining what eternal life is. And this is life eternal, that they may know you. He's talking to the Father. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Well, if he says eternal life is necessary, knowing God is eternal life. For ne- if knowing God is essential for salvation, then a meeting is essential for knowing God. Let me say that again. If knowing God is essential for salvation, meeting God is essential for knowing God. I can't know these guys until I meet them. It's the introduction into the relationship. And Jesus said, this is what eternal life is, that they might know God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's the definition. That's significant, that a meeting takes place in our relationship, in our knowing God. Now look in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to see in the life of Paul how significant this was. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Who's got that? Okay. All right. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. Now, he was the Jew of Jews. He was one of the greatest Jewish believers that we know of. 
And to this day, Paul writing this just irritates the Jews, even quote-unquote Christian Jews, because Paul just got through listing all of these things that a good Jew counts on to have a relationship with God. He just went down the list, all of these things. I I am this, I am this, I'm found uh, pure, I found uh, righteous, all of these things that he talks about that he has attained as a Jew. And then he says, what things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus, my Lord. Nothing surpasses knowing Jesus. Nothing is better than knowing Jesus, he says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count the rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him, the power of resurrection, fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Knowing God, he says, is the most valuable thing that I have in the universe. Knowing God requires meeting God, an encounter with him where I meet him, where I've met him. Now, another element that's significant, if I want to know these guys well, what's something I'm going to need to do in order to do that? Time, time. We met, took us about 30 seconds to meet. Hopefully they don't run out before we're through today. So we'll have this time to get to know each other, which is not very well, very good. But the second element that I want to talk about is spending time alone. All right? I need to really spend some time alone with these guys to get to know who they are for a lot of reasons. One, if I want a relationship with them, I need to spend time with them to find out if I can trust them, to find out if I can be vulnerable to to them, to find out if I can be open with them, to find out if I can be transparent with them, all of those things that a healthy relationship is built on. So if I want to have time and have a relationship with someone, I need to have time that I am with them exclusively, without distractions. And what that does is it shows value and respect. Okay? Now, Jacob, I want you to tell me something that I don't know, which will be pretty simple, that I don't know about you. Just just anything. I'm listening. Go ahead. What'd you say? Go go ahead. I got it. Go ahead. You're from around. You're what? Okay. You're, you're, you're round, you said. Oh, you're from around here. Okay. Now, 
that make you feel important? Make you feel like I was really interested in you when I'm sitting here playing with my phone? I got it. Go ahead. Come on. I got it. Go ahead. No, that doesn't show respect. That doesn't show value. It shows you're an incidental. Really, this is important. You're just incidental. I might ask you, tell me something about you. Oh, I got it. I'm listening. When really, this is the issue. If I want to have a relationship with him, and I want to have a relationship that's built on trust and openness and transparency and respect, I'm going to have to give my undivided attention to him. Look him in the eyes and tell me, tell me something about you that I don't know. And listen to what he's got to say. That demonstrates value. It demonstrates worth. Let's him know I really am interested in him. Without distractions, it shows value and respect. Not to get anything from him, but to just enjoy his presence. I mean, what would he do if I came up here and said, tell me something about yourself? And he starts telling us, oh, by the way, could you give me $5? I, I really need five bucks, man. Come on, can't you give me $5? That's not showing. That's me going to him for something instead of me going to him for him to express value to him letting him know how important he is, letting him know that our relationship, and we have a relationship now because we have met. And in that meeting was an introduction to a relationship. And I want the relationship to be strong. I want it to be healthy. So I have to have those times where it's just me and him along with each other. But there's something else that I think we overlook sometimes. It's not only important to spend time with them alone, it's important to spend time with others who know them. Okay? Here's why. That way I discover how they interact with other people. I learn things about them by watching them interact with other people. Why do you think the bride... No, let me rephrase that. Why do you think the engagee wants the potential groom to meet her parents? She's wanting to watch how he engages with them, how they engage with him. I, he can learn, she'll learn a lot about him by how he engages with her parents. If, she's not, if they're not, he's not respectful, if he doesn't honor them, She's thinking, huh, this is what I've got. This is what's in store for me. I'm not sure I want to be a part of that. So it helps to watch how people engage with other people. I learn things about them. Because we know the body of Christ, because we are the body of Christ, and we have this relationship with the Father, I learn things about the Father when I watch you engage the Father. I learn things about the Father I didn't know when you come and share things that the Father has shown you. My perspective of the Father is enlarged because there were things, I never thought of that. I never saw it that way. I never understood the Father that way. But watching you and your relationship with the Father helps me understand a bigger picture of what the Father is like. Let me show you what I'm talking about. You ever go to a funeral, and uh, 
either the preacher's up there talking about the person that died or they have the, you know, we do testimonies now. Somebody gets up and talks about a testimony and you hear that and you go, I never knew that about that person. I thought he was a jerk. And he gave that guy some money and then he asked him, I never knew he was like that. What's happening? Here's someone who knew someone I knew, but they saw it in a different light, and I learned something about that person because of their relationship with them. See? I didn't know they were like that. And we sometimes include, you know what? I wish I had known them better. I wish I had spent more time with them. I wish I would have asked them about that. I tell you, the best at this is Paul Velasco. Paul can find out more about you than 30 minutes than I can in a week. People talk to him, they just want to, they just tell him everything. And I like being around Paul because I don't have to ask the questions. I can just listen. But I'm learning things about the people that he's engaging with that I didn't know, I didn't even know to ask. But my relationship with this person is being enlarged because I'm watching them engage with this person. Does that make any sense? That's why the body of Christ is so important. None of us are lone rangers when it comes to our relationship with the Father. We are interconnected with one another. The thing that makes the body of Christ the body of Christ is a not a common theological treatise. It is that we share the life of God. That's what makes us the body of Christ. We share the life of God. And I learn more about the life of God in watching you relate to him and learning things that never even crossed my mind. I never even thought to see it that way. It's expressions that I don't see when it's just him and me. And I hope the same is true. That's why it's so important when we come up here, when we share something, that we don't just share our opinion, but that we share what the Father has given us. Because when we share something from the Spirit, it is an expression of the Spirit that each of us gets to participate in. So three elements about relationship, meeting, spending time alone, and spending time in the presence of someone else. The reason this is significant significant is because we've talked about stilling the body, we've talked about quieting the soul, now we're talking about receiving in the spirit. Knowing God takes place in our spirit. Meeting God takes place in our spirit. It will affect our soul, it will affect our body, but we don't meet God in our soul. We don't meet God in our emotions. We don't meet God in our mind. We meet God in our spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit expresses and reveals the Son. He can't be known by our senses. He can't be known by emotions or by our mind. It's what Jesus told the woman at at the well. God is what? Spirit. Spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in not your mind, not your emotions, not your senses, in spirit, in our spirit. 
This is where we touch God. This is where we meet him, and this is where we establish relationship with him. All right? Now, I want you to take that, and next week we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Quoted it a bunch, but I want you to look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. I want you to ask the Father what he has to say to you about that, about that verse. All right? And then we're going to expound on it next week as we look at some more. Any questions? I mean, folks, listen. Wisdom is just paying attention more than anything else. Wisdom is just paying attention to what's going on around you and understanding where God is at in that, that he can reveal himself to us. All right, any questions over this morning? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And you can read all the verses around it. It's also very helpful. All right. All right. Still our body, quiet our soul, receive in our spirit. Oh, that's good. There's no work in our spirit. There's no striving in our spirit. There's only receiving in our spirit. All right? Any questions? Just making any sense. Okay? All right. No questions? Nothing to share? What'd you hear?